Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out today, Wednesday, and one book that does not come out today, Wednesday. It comes Smart. Out. Guess which one it is. Oh, oh man. man. Are you going to tell them? Or I, gonna, just... I don't know. Maybe we should make them guess. Uh, that would be think? fun. That's like a quiz. It's easy to solve. <laughs> <laughs> you can just check the information and check it out, and you'll find out. But let's get into it. Big issue. Hotly anticipated issue. Been looking for do it for years at this point yes from marvel comics the war of the realms number one this is from jason aaron and russell dodderman yes they worked on a very long run on thor they've been leading up to this forever finally the forces of malekith the dark elf have reached earth they've reached midgard they are attacking the entire marvel universe everything that he's been writing in thor and various other series for years now is coming to bear um very excited that russell dodderman is on it as well did yeah. an amazing job on thor but what did you think about this issue so much build-up was leading up to this was it worth it well what i think is the build-up makes it feel big as opposed to a lot of crossovers specifically from marvel where it feels a little bit it dashed off and the stories i'm not saying the stories are bad but it feels like is this super big and important and this feels big and this first issue we get start with uh the characters we would expect but we get to see some characters we didn't expect like the gun guy what's his name uh Punisher? mr guns that's it mr oh, guns no mr. i think guns. it's mr it's guns. mr guns dr yeah, guns, guns. Sure. well he got a doctorate in guns i do remember that issue his whole <laughs> thing is guns why would gun not be in his name uh right. guys oh is uh, it, no no maybe it's the gunisher oh that's a cool <laughs> yeah you're gonna strangle both of you that's out. a good right, idea listen uh, first off, Alex, let me answer your question properly. <laughs> yes. That's concise podcasting. Huge issues. So, and it feels huge throughout. It just, uh, I think it does a great job of like slowly kind of having everything unfold in a way that is not only fun, but you can follow what's happening. I loved every second of it, and especially the Punisher part. I giggled like a little schoolgirl. Um, what did you think when uh, Thor was like, God, I'm trusting you for the last time, Loki? 
<laughs> Where you're like, cool. I mean, that's time. kind of that's typical Thor. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So, one thing structurally that I thought was interesting, it's not exactly slow getting into it, but there are several introductions to the issue. Yes. Uh, which, uh, to Each me... Each one getting better and right. better. Uh, well, they're all good. Like, they're all well done. Yeah, they're why all are well you shitting on this oh, right now? He's, not, he's just li- naming them. I, I'm saying there's a, a rundown of all of the realms, all yeah. of the, not Asgardian realms, but all of the realms of the Asgardian mythology. All, all ten of them. All ten of them. Uh, then we get a, a recap a big, nice page map. of what happened so far. Far, yeah. then we find out what's happened so far. So it's a lot of interest. So if you haven't been picking up these books, it's certainly like an info dump right at the beginning. But then the second half of the issue is straight up action, and it builds really, really well. In particular, this is definitely a big spoiler time, but I do want to talk about this because this page, these series of pages were so incredibly laid out by Russell Dodderman. Loki is, first of all, not actually Loki. Loki is Malekith, tricking Thor to keep him off the board so that he can't save Midgard uh, from their attack because Thor, of course, is going to be key to saving everybody. We Uh, think... We, yeah, I, I think he so. might be I'm essential. Throw that out there. That's yeah. Hammer, um, Hammer, Doctor Hammer. But the real Loki <laughs> comes down, uh, takes out uh, his father, uh, Lofi, and chops off his hand. Uh, talks to his mother, Freya. He's betrayed Freya many, many times before, and Freya's like, "How can I trust you?" And there's this amazing close-up panel of Loki yeah. saying, "Because of what's about to happen." Yeah. Loki knows what's about to happen. What's about to happen is we get not an actual full-page spread, but most of the page is what happens to Loki, and underneath it is everybody reacting to it as Luffy, his father, eats Loki. Yeah. And it's horrifying. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying. Crunchy. I mean, granted... Crunchy. Very He's crunchy. not dead, right? Yeah. Because it's Loki. He's right. inside the mouth. Sure. I'm just saying, it's, we're supposed to think he's dead, but also, A, it's Loki, and B, he knew this was going to happen. So, yeah, so he certainly figured dead. out... Right, he's got he's a scam. Yeah. He's, he's got, got a scam. scam. He, he's but got the way that it's laid out, the way that it's executed is so good. I mean, across the board, Russell Dodderman's art is just so oh, good. Especially since we, he hasn't been on Thor for a little bit, like, uh, coming back on it in this way is so awesome. Uh, I'd like to go back to a, a key part that I don't think we're talking about enough. Uh, the way that the Punisher is drawn is just so... Sorry, Dr. Guns? Is that uh, the character no, you're no, talking no. about? No, no, no. The way the Punisher is drawn is just so fantastic. Punisher. And then also Jason, Jason Aaron does a great job of capturing the Punisher's voice in such a fun way as he's jumping out the window shooting. Oh, I just... Uh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. So he's so, trying to... This so Punisher... Beautiful. Punish the frost giants. Yes, is right. that what he's sort of if he's yeah. punishing, he's like it's like a vice principal type. Guy. Also, right, what yeah. I kind of like is it like that show on HBO. No. Oh. Also, what I like about the uh, kind of his plan. Sorry, I'm talking about Big Little Lies. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, what's nice about his plan is his plan is he was like, oh, I'll put Thor with all these frost giants, and then we'll attack Midgard. But what's cool is if Thor fucks up all those frost giants, he won't have a second wave of frost giants to attack Midgard. So that plan could backfire. Thor's got enough hammers to take out a bunch of frost giants. But they're all bad. They're not great hammers. They're medium-sized hammers. They're like he went down to the Ace Hardware, picked up a bunch of hammers. Still Thor with a hammer. I don't care if it's not the best hammer. It's still No, if anyone can pick up that hammer, you need to be a hammer with a discerning handle. Like, are you worthy? Sure. 
You want an Ace Hardware, you can pick up all those hammers, except for the one they keep in the back. Yeah. By the way, this episode is brought to you by Ace Hardware. Ace, <laughs> Ace Hardware. Hardware. Get hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Very confusing slogan. Don't worry it about it. It is confusing, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> This issue is great. It's beautifully drawn, as we talked about. Uh, it's very exciting. Also, a great Spider-Man in here. Really fun jokes with the old Spider-Man yeah. uh, throughout. Uh, this is just the beginning of this thing, and it's only going to get bigger from here. But I'm excited to see how it gets executed. Also, you know, there's been so much build up to this. Um, I think it really delivers in a way that makes it kind of worth the wait and and has, like, the... Posters that we've seen and everything really pay off nicely. I I would argue I don't think we're quite there yet, and that is you don't think this is the payoff. No, because we're in the first issue of this thing, and when you get to the back, there's this checklist where it's like War of the Realms first act. Here's thirty issues you need to read, yeah. which is great. You know, I'm a lifelong comic book fan. I'm all in on a massive crossover, so let's do this. Yeah, but this is not the slam bang issue. This is the prelude. This is kicking it off, and it's only going to get bigger from here, which is the exciting part for me. Yeah. You think it's downhill from here, Pete? Yeah, it's all <laughs> I down. I mean, to be Enjoy fair. Because it, it's going to suck for a while. Punisher, Giant eating a tiny. Like, those are two big hits for Sure, yeah. I guess so. All right, moving on to another storytelling issue. The storyteller, <laughs> Sirens, number one wow. from Boom Studios. Oh, oh man. man, I love this Loved book. Loved this book. So good. The storyteller, one of my favorite series back in the day. It was yeah. one half of the Jim Henson Hour. Uh, John Hurt was the storyteller, would tell these very classic stories with not exactly a dark twist, but like a family-friendly dark twist is, I guess, yeah, the way to put it. lightly dark. But that's what I liked about it. Like many fairy tales, you got to have a little... Uh, edge to them. Right. To really... Well, it gave them back. I think yeah. it was a response to the Disney stuff. It was giving it a sense of those Grimm's fairy tales, and that's yeah. what they do in this book. It's yeah. amazing. Really good. The way the, the art in this is drawn so expressively, the conversation between the uh, the storyteller and his dog, where he's like really getting after the dog to teach him a <laughs> lesson, which I uh, love that. Yeah. It's great. It really yeah. took me back to being a kid watching the Jim Henson stuff. For hour. those of you who uh, don't know what's going on in the book, uh, there is this storyteller, the titular storyteller. He, his dog, want, talking dog, wants a bunch of snacks. And to teach him a lesson, he tells him a story about a man who becomes enamored with a siren and becomes so enamored with the siren, he starts to forget about his family. And it's dark and it's sad and it does teach the dog a lesson. But to Justin's point, a new trick. Yeah, so beautifully drawn. What do you think about it, Pete? I was real impressed. I liked it. Um, uh, I thought it was very creative. And I feel like you should put out a book similar to this where you're talking to Pip. You know, and Tom uh, Pip for those of you who don't know, I have a dog named Pip that, whose popularity seems to be superseding my own. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what, I don't like that. <laughs> I love a lot of people talk about my dog like you are, uh, I'm, you, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm the dog's master. <laughs> so the dog is, the, you know, it's we have a relationship. <laughs> it can be popular and it's fine. It doesn't it shouldn't make me feel weird? But uh, by the way, if you want to follow Justin's dog on Twitter, yeah. JT at JT Pipper. Yeah. Oh man, JT Pipper. He just got verified. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Check mark. I can't oh, about that. All right, next one we're going to talk about DC Comics Justice League number 21. This is continuing the storyline where the Justice League seems to be in a utopia. Guess what? Not quite a utopia. Not a utopia. As we talked about on the show last week, 
Name a utopia that doesn't get fucked up eventually. <laughs> and here we are in this Justice League issue where it all goes down. I'm surprised Batman wasn't a little more on top of his shit. Right? Yeah. It's fucked up. He's the utopia, he's the dystopia sniffer. What, what sucks? He's like the pip of the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> what sucks is in the last issue, he was very, he was like, it's too bright here. I don't fucking like it. And this one, he's got his mask off. He's yeah, having he's tea. Chilling. He's cold, chilling. I was like, who's Batman? Is this? this isn't my Batman. Uh, Batman's lost a step. Oh, wow, you watch! I your think mouth. that's it for Batman. I yeah. think you Batman watch his goddamn this mouth. This guy's too old. He just wanted to settle down, uh, be uh, married. Uh, he got fucked up. Now he's out. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about this issue, though? How are you feeling about this arc so far? I I like the stakes that it's really representing. I think it's very interesting and creative, and it's a real fun dilemma that they're in. Uh, and I say fun because it's like, I don't know where they're going to go or how they're going to solve it, but I really like the characters that they are uh, having this kind of uh, quagmire, if you will, but it's just Ooh. really kind of interesting, and I'm very excited to see how this unfolds. Uh, yeah, I, I like this a lot, too. It's a little, it's hectic. The storytelling is fast. Um, and I, the issue of a couple back where uh, we slowed down and had that Lex Luthor Martian Manhunter story, I was really liked that because that let the story breathe, let the characters breathe a little bit. This one is back paced up, and um, I do like it, but I do want to be able to digest it a little harder. Yeah, I, I can see that. This is definitely back to being an info dump issue. Yeah. But it adds so much to the mythology of yeah. the DC Universe. And I felt like I, I've been having a hard time grasping onto all the information that they're putting in there, all the things they're adding onto the mythology. But I felt like this issue really opened it up quite a bit. Yeah. And without explaining things explicitly, certainly pointed to where they're going that... My guess at this point is it seems like Scott Snyder and company are trying to explain crises, like trying right. to explain <laughs> why things keep getting rebooted in the DC universe, which is a classic DC move. Like they're always like, we're going to do these crises because we're going to clean everything up, make it simpler two years later. Okay, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, here we go. But I'm along for the ride. You know, I think like they this is a spoiler, but they uh, they introduce a brother to the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor here, which is... The World Forger. World Forger. Uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I like this character. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with him because he doesn't necessarily seem good or evil. He certainly seems to yeah. be straddling that. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they're heading towards something. I mean, if you've been reading Justice League Odyssey, there's this whole plan that Darkseid has to take the Ghost Sector, which is the planets that were released by Brainiac, back at Justice League, no justice, and turn them into a new enormous apocalypse. That's where they end up on at the end yeah. of this issue. So it does all seem to start to be a tying together into this greater tapestry. That's always very cool. Yeah, Scott Snyder does a great job of just... Uh, of the creativity he puts in, he's forging his own world. He's the world Ooh. forger with his title. And uh, just able to... Uh, tell these huge stories that really put the Justice League in a losing position. Now that you mention it, yeah, that, that character kind of does look like Scott Snyder. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a big blue elf, man. Yeah. yeah. In case you never met him in person, that's exactly what he looks like. All right, moving on to another one. Uh, this one, I'm not going to say when it's coming out. Oh, but it's okay. coming out April 24th. That's a big clue. Yes. Uh, Riverdale Season 3, Number 2. This is from Archie Comics. Uh, this is the book that ties into the overall series. Riverdale tells untold stories and 
ties into the tapestry of the plot. Uh, this issue, uh, the stuff that we can tell you, uh, one of the things is we finally get to see the Shoney road trip. Road we see trip. Cheryl and Tony on the road trip that they took over the summer. Get some more information about that. Uh, and the other thing that we get information is we see... Polly and Jason and how their story ties it to the farm, which is something that was teased and talked about on the very last episode of Riverdale. So yeah. it's very interesting to get more information about that. Yeah, and it really fleshes out the story mm-hmm. in a way. And honestly, I seeing this issue, you really there's a redhead and a blonde together, sort of um like an Archie and a Betty type character, and I'll Wait, tell you what are you boo. what are you talking about? Uh, uh, the, there's a great shot of this redhead and a blonde character together. What are you, what are you getting at? I'm saying oh, that, oh, 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 I'm saying oh, wouldn't it be great oh, if like oh, oh, a redheaded okay. character okay, and a blonde okay, character okay. got together on the TV show Riverdale? Oh, so right. you're, oh right. like you're you have your Jason, right. your Polly, but right. what about like another version of that? You know, I'm mm-hmm. talking about like a Betty and an Archie. Hypothetically. Oh, well, That's awful. no, I don't think that would ever happen. Okay. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this issue? Pete? I love this issue. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. It really feels like an extension of Riverdale, which I really like. Uh, there's so much fun, so much adventure. I was real. I felt like they drew them in such a great way. It feels like they're really pulled right out of Riverdale and put into comic book form. I was really impressed with it. Yeah, I actually like this issue a lot better even than the first one, which I also enjoyed. But the first one felt kind of like Lark's. It felt like, oh, here's some additional tales coming out of Riverdale. This one, to Justin's point, really fleshed out a lot of information about the series, which is really cool. And that's what I'd like to see more of going forward. We'll definitely see. More flesh. Yeah, more flesh in general, just like a... Big bags of it. That's what oh, Alex on, said. Dude. Flesh. Oh, Stop man. being weird. There we go. All right. Moving on to another book. This is a Image Comics book. Section Zero, number one. This is about a secret society mm. existing outside the fringes who investigates weird mysteries. They don't exist, and neither are the things that they investigate. Yeah, wow. Neither that's do the lots of cover. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, this is by Carl Kessel with art by Tom Grummet. I kind of love this book. Really? Yes. I thought it's it's very purposely old school. All of the characters are exactly what you think they're going to be. Uh, there's a tough dude wearing a jacket and, uh, and a sword. bunch of spandex with a sword. Yeah. Uh, there's a cool girl wearing, a, I don't know, what would you say? Also no. spandex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they used to be married. That's one of the fun details of the thing. Um, the alien's it, my favorite character. There's an alien that pilots their ship. Seems like there's a, a child. There's a bug dude that has powers. Um, it's yeah. just a fun setup. His like name to, is the 24-hour bug. Yeah. Again, very old school, but purposely old school. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Like, it felt like a good pilot to me, you know? Interesting. You Pete. did not like it. No, but I mean, it's, it is pinpointed in, like, it feels like it came out in, like, July 1989. So if that was, like, a hot time period for you and you want to, like, really relive the past, which is a theme and perhaps maybe another book we're going to talk about in this stack, um, then read this. If you're looking for some, like, new form of storytelling, not here. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's not really part of my childhood because I was born in 2011. But that's true. Uh, uh, otherwise, <laughs> I went too far. Forward. Yeah, you went yeah, too far forward. Fuck, that means dude. you're eight, <laughs> dude. Uh, uh, put that beer down. That's yeah, whatever, man. Put your lollipop. Put your lollipop my, back in. My parents are God. It's cool. I can do whatever I want. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's definitely a throwback, but I think it's an enjoyable throwback. Again, versus the one that we're going to talk about later in the stack, which maybe we could talk about right. 
now. Yeah, we could. To me, this feels like nostalgia in the right way. Yeah, I, and I think it's it's the characters are fun. They're kind of having an adventure. I thought it was. Yeah, it's not the most original story, but I I thought it was a cool storytelling and it flowed well, which I appreciated. The art is fantastic. Uh, you know, you know, you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes you can just you can write just, a good story with some just good characters. See the wheel. Yeah, and it's uh, Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet who are good a classic artist writer. I wish the people listening at home could have seen your face when you said that day when you were like 2011. <laughs> I knew I was wrong when I said it. All right, let's yeah. move to the other one. This is from Marvel Comics. Major X, number one, bringing Rob Liefeld back to the X-Men franchise. Where the fuck has he been? <laughs> He's huh? been in Daredevil or uh, Deadpool movies. Daredevil? <laughs> Big spoiler from Pete. Also, not true. Uh, <laughs> so not spoiling too much. He's been in Florida a lot. Yes. So this is Rob Liefeld writing and drawing an X-Men issue, uh, introducing a new character, masked character named Major X, Mystery. comes in. Uh, kicks X-Force's butt from the yeah. era that Rob Liefeld is best known for. If we, you were just in 1989, let's dial the knob forward to 1991, which is where this book will take you back to. Yeah, I don't know. I was born in 2011, so yes, it's not that's really true. Right. This is all Stop confusing. This is very, I don't know. God, Stop. you have such supple <laughs> flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ever tell an eight-year-old they have something for us. I'm telling you. Oh, okay. You do the math. <laughs> uh, and Rob Liefeld, it brings back all your favorites are back. First panel, Shatterstar. Uh, <laughs> later in the book, Deadpool. Yeah. Then there's another Deadpool. Yeah. Right. Then you Deadpool got Cable wearing Dave. a weird vest. Right. Gray there's, beast. And there is, so there's an evil Deadpool named Dreadpool who has shoulder pads. And Deadpool's like, nice shoulder pads, which yeah. is like... I don't know. It's like Rob Liefeld writing Rob Liefeld fan fiction is what yeah. it feels like yeah. at some point. It's like a snake eating its own tail and also a snake because it doesn't have feet. Yeah. Uh, did you guys, What did you think about this? I feel like if anybody is most likely to like this book, it's you, Pete. No, I hate it. Oh, really? No. You hate wow. it? Because I'll say, like, I didn't hate it. If It's exactly what it is. It's Rob Liefeld. The reveal at the end is a very Liefeldian thing to do. Like this yeah. was a uh, hit the marks and it, I was nostalgic for this a little bit. Hmm. Uh, what did you think, Pete? What did I, you hate? I didn't like the art. It was driving me nuts. You know, the art. Yeah. yeah I know. Rob Liefeld. Yeah. That, that's actually, I would say the one part of the issue for me where I was like, yep, that's Rob Liefeld. Yeah. I tried some Wolverine jumping at people. Punching them instead of stabbing them with their claws. Yeah. Um, this dude is masked and invulnerable, and everybody is so sharp, and all of that felt like time classic. travel. Yeah. I didn't. Bunch I, of stuff that doesn't really make any sense about alternate dimensions. This, and yeah. Stuff. This art drives me insane. I don't. I, uh, really? Wow. Wow. Huh. Well, I, I would say this is not my cup of tea, but yeah. if you are a Rob Liefeld fan, to your point, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. It's a major X. All right. And next one we're going to talk about this is from Image Comics Curse Words Spring Special. This is a big one for fans of Curse Words. We zoom back in time to find out uh, how what happened after Wizard and Ruby This is Stitch. like the origin story we haven't gotten. Yeah. What, like 30-some issues deep? And it's crazy. Now we get the origin. We find out who Margaret is, yeah. uh, what happened yeah. with her, why she was changed into a koala and this other changes creatures. everything. Yeah. And what would you think? You're the big Curse Words fan on the show. This really blew my mind. It was really unbelievable. And... Uh, I, it was. It's crazy to me that we waited. It took this long to get this story, because yeah, but like that's nice. That's like no, it's up. great. But it's like 
man, that really affects how everything else is read moving forward. And I kind and of backwards. Yeah. Because it's like I want I was like, oh, I should go back and read this now because it changes like just seeing Wizard with Margaret so much and now he's not with Margaret. It's like, oh my God, this is so crazy. Uh but it's also so much more heartbreaking. It really is. I mean, I think what uh, Charles Soule and Ryan Brown yeah. uh, have done with this issue is infused it with so much more emotion. The yeah. uh, the series started being not callous necessarily, but a little snarky, a little yeah. rude, a little in your face. And, and he maintains that tone with yeah. a lot of this, but he just adds this underbelly of like real emotional heartbreak. Oh, man. And there's a huge reveal about the title of the series oh, in this issue God. as well, which was fantastic. This is great. Yeah. So good. How'd you feel about this, Justin? Yeah, I feel like this was nice because it really showed off uh, Charles's ability to like it seems like with this series, he just threw a bunch of stuff on the table and like sort of was having fun, feeling uh, yeah. carefree. And then I don't know what his process was with it, but it feels like with this, he's just been marinating on it and thinking and was like, oh, here's the way to add the heart that I feel like the book mm-hmm. has been missing. And then he sewed it all up in a nice way. Yeah, I mean, I would argue I think it was probably elements of that were there all along, but it's definitely developed in that direction. Yeah. And as it's revealed more information about the end game of the book, and we are only a couple of issues away, uh, if you haven't been reading this series, definitely go back before oh, yeah. you read this one. Uh, but so good. Also, and maybe... Uh, we had a guest artist, Mike Norton, on this. Oh, okay. oh Mike Norton. Oh, yes. Yeah. We know him. Um, and maybe this will, uh, our love of this book will prompt Charles to finally re- release the audio of us doing a live stage reading oh, right. of the first issue of Curse Words when we did the Comic-Con on a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, uh, hashtag it. Tweet it at Charles Soul. Release the tapes. Yeah. No explanation. <laughs> You'll get what that means. No yeah, don't say anything else. Just release the tapes. Yeah, release the tapes. Uh, last one we're going to talk about. There's another one from Boom Studios. This is one of their Boombox titles. Rocco's Modern Afterlife, number one. This is taking the series Rocco's Modern Life. Mix it in zombies. Were either of you guys a fan of Rocco's Modern Life? Yeah, I like some Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. Old school Nickelodeon. Yeah. You, you wouldn't th- understand it because you're so young and, right. and supple. Uh, but <laughs> oh I don't think... <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not a, a lot of people know about this, but this book is wild. It's yeah. got like it's sort of very negative. Yeah. yeah, I I I was trying to rack my brains and go back and remember Rocco's modern life a little bit reading this, but it basically takes all the characters and kills them. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Rocco's modern life was just like fun adventures, uh, sort of right next door to like Rugrats, uh, Rocco's, a well, wallaby, heifers, he, he a cow. He was nervous, right? Yeah, he's Rocco? nervous. Yeah. So he gets nervous in here, but he stays inside during a zombie apocalypse, uh, and slowly all of his friends get turned into zombies. Pretty upsetting. Yeah, and it's a lot of like, the modern world sucks. Don't you get it? Uh, in this book. Yeah. Uh, but, so, but because he's just like, you know, just meditating and he has no phone, no computer, everything's all blocked. He doesn't know the zombie apocalypse is happening. No, he knows it's happening. He's just sort of uh, blocking himself off. Which oh. I think he's come to re- he comes to regret. He does. Uh, yeah, this was an interesting, weird one. I think if you're yeah. a fan of Rocco's Modern Life, maybe check it out just because there are some solid jokes in it, uh, and it is a strange riff. Uh, it certainly yeah. gets going by the end, but uh, if you didn't know Rocco's Modern Life, maybe not for you. It has the vibe of uh, the, like, if you don't like a lot of things that have happened in the world since Rocco's Modern Life, 
uh, you'll like this book. <laughs> because it's definitely taking down, like, Twitch uh, for a lot, long portion yeah. of it. Um, Which you love. Yeah. You're on Twitch, Twitch, like, 24-7. Exactly. Playing Very. Anthem. That's true. I am doing that. What Name one element of Anthem. <laughs> uh, headset. Nope. Wearing a headset? <laughs> Not, probably. Yeah. All right, guys. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on down. We'll chat with you about comic books. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. <laughs>